Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And I am bringing you something that is a little bit different today. This case is known, well, I, I don't even know if we can really call it a case. I mean, well, technically we can. There was death. There was wrongful death. There was preventable things. This is a suggestion that came to us from one of our Patreons. And she started the conversation with saying, you know, this really isn't like murdery, but there was most certainly a crime that resulted in death. Okay. Gotcha. This is the Seawall Ferry tragedy that happened in South Korea in 2014. Have you ever heard of it? No. I think you're I going to be really shocked. I I don't remember. If I saw this in the news, I just did not recall it gotcha. until in, then I started diving into this. I'm like, how did we not hear more about this? It really shocks me that we didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, I, this is, I have not heard of it in any way, so... How, but there might be a reason for that because there's a lot of cover up oh, here. Yes. Okay. Where it all starts is October 8th, 2012, when Chong Hee Shen Marine purchased a ship that would later be known as the MV Seawall. Now, this ship, when it was purchased by Chong Hee Shen Marina, it was 18 years old and it was very dilapidated. Okay. It was originally named the Ferry Namanique and was operated from 1994 to 2012. It was a transport ship, so it had it transported cargo and passengers, all right, by a Japanese company called A-Line Ferry. According to A-Line Ferry, when they had the ship in service between 1994 and 2012, this ship at that time did not experience any problems during its service in Japan. After it was purchased and became the MVC wall, the ship underwent a lot of modifications between October 12th, 2012 and February 12th, 2013. And at that time, it was that's when it was registered by Chung Hee Shen. It turns out that these modifications, Amber, that it underwent were actually illegal. It was an illegal redesign of the ship. Oh. Oh, may I ask why? Oh, yes. So these modifications included an addition of two decks of passenger space and the expansion of cargo space. Okay. So her gross tonnage, the seawall's gross tonnage was increased by 239 tons. Oh, wow. Yes. To, so They're this, trying to just get more people on this. Absolutely. Yeah. And they did the illegal modifications. In a shady way. Yes. Because a ship of its original size was never built to handle that capacity. Why am I getting Titanic vibes? Oh, it's... Getting Titanic vibes. Uh-huh. Where's Leo? Kate? My God. Yes. Kate, where are you? It's horrific. Oh, this is so... Yeah, this is... I mean, recipe for tragedy. It absolutely is. And so it increased the tonnage now after these modifications is 6,825 tons. Somebody got greedy. That's a lot. A hundred percent. Her, the seawall's capacity increased by 116 people, claiming that the total amount of people 
including the crew that it could handle, are 956 people. What happens is the modifications resulted in the center of gravity of the ship being moved upward by like one foot eight inches, as well as a left-right imbalance, okay? So essentially how the ship is built, increasing her tonnage by that weight, like I said a second ago, she wasn't built to handle that. So now she's not balanced. The seawall did undergo investigations by the Korean Register of Shipping, including an inclining test, and received the ship inspection certification. They went through and got certifications, and it did get it did pass like the certifications for sea pollution in 2013 and they did say like we need to decrease the amount of cargo by a bit okay and we need to also increase or excuse me decrease the amount of passengers that it can hold so like the inspections that it underwent were like okay we're they didn't cite the illegal modifications, but they did like take it down a mm-hmm. few notches. All right. But still not enough to make a difference. And after those certifications were done, it was later discovered, hindsight is always twenty twenty, that a lot of those certification documents were falsified. Oh my gosh. So they weren't really inspected and certified. How negligent. And after the inspections, 37 tons of marble were further added to the gallery room at the bridge deck located at the back of the ship. What was all this marble for? I think to make it look nice. Oh, just like show. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so she's she's getting heavy. Yes. She's thick. She's she's thick, she's illegal, (laughs) and she doesn't have the right certifications. Same ship, same. Right, right. I feel this on a deep level. I get it. I I feel heard, finally. Yes. So she began her operations on March 15th, 2013, never fully legal. But no one knows this. There's a lot of bribing that took place. Now, again, this is hindsight. We know this information from an investigation that later happened. But nobody knew it at the time. At the time, no one knows these certifications are fake. No one knows that the modifications were illegal and that they were not done correctly to where we could increase the tonnage by anything. Okay. So all of a sudden, Seawall begins her operations March 15th, 2013. She made three round trips per week from Incheon to June. Each was a one-way voyage, so it was about 264 miles, taking 13 and a half hours to complete. She's probably like, I'm tired. She is. Mama's tired. I think I can. I think yes. I can. I th- it's kind of, I'm getting that impression. Now, on February 19th, 2014, she received she received an interim inspection, which is a periodic expe- inspection. Oh my gosh, I do this for a living and I can't even say inspection. (laughs) So interestingly enough, for my job, we do interim inspections as well. Okay. So these are inspections that are done in between the the years of like full licensure. Okay, so these are these are periodic inspections of like surprise before they're actually due to re-register. Oh for the ship okay the interim inspection like essentially did happen she was still allowed to carry on wow yes now until the day that we are going to lead up to of this incident the ship had made a total of 241 passes so it had it had 
had a round trip 241 times before this incident took place on April 15th, 2014. Now, the illegal modifications were complete in 2013. Yes, 241 round trips sounds like a lot, but when you're realizing that it really only took about a year and two months for it to finally break, like, that's pretty quick. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Essentially. They overloaded that to the max. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take you to the day of April 15th, 2014, where Seawall was scheduled to leave the port at Incheon, at 6.30 p.m. Now, there was a fog advisory, which restricted visibility. You're so right about the Titanic vibes. Oh, so many vibes. The fog restriction, or excuse me, the fog warning was saying... Iceberg right ahead. Yeah. Visibility is reduced to less than a mile. <laughs> it was, it's so, yes. They're both horrible. It's I don't so mean eerie. to laugh, but yeah. yeah. All, all you need to tell me is iceberg straight ahead. Right. That's essentially where we're going with this. Right about now, Kate is being drawn nude mm-hmm. by Leo. I mean, it's Draw all. Me like one of your French yes. girls, Jack. <laughs> yes. It's all unfolding. I can it see it. It is. So the fog is is restricting visibility. And it it was about, they estimated 0.62 miles is how far you can see. So only a little over a half a mile. Yeah. All right. That's not a lot at all. Now, the issue of low visibility warning was issued around 5.30 p.m., leading the ship association to hold Seawall's departure. But they then retracted the warning at 8.35 p.m., And the shipping association removed the restriction on Seawall's departure after checking the weather conditions with the operator of the Palmetto Lighthouse and consulting with the shipping department that they have to, the KCG, okay? The ship departed around 9 p.m. and was the only ship to leave the port that evening because the rest of the ships still weren't taking a chance with, although the low visibility had been lifted, there was still fog in the area. Yeah. When Seawall departed, she was carrying 443 passengers, 33 crew members, members, and a total of 2,142.7 tons of cargo, which included 185 cars. That is more tonnage than what was, it, it was only supposed to be once those fake inspections came through and things were like forged. She was only supposed to have about 1,400 tons. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So she's over her She's tonnage. like, I can't take anymore. For sure. Bitch is tired. Yeah. Definitely. Bitch has been running your shit through here for a year, and I can't do it anymore. Right. Oh, my gosh. How, what, when you look back, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. what did they think was going to happen? I don't they know. They keep overloading I, this. I really think like, it's all about the money. Absolutely. More bang for your buck. Yep. And not being safe about it. This is the point where I'm going to tell you that you need to hold on to all your tender areas. Oh, no. Because I'm going to tell you that for of the 443 passengers, Amber, 325 were students on a field trip from the <gasps> same high no, school. stop. I have to grab all my bits yes. right now. Yes, hold your butts, hold your privates and your titties because... <sighs> Holding them all. Check all. No, oh my gosh, that's so... Yeah. That is so horrible. 325 students were on a field trip from Dan Juan High School. Five passengers were non-Korean in nationality. The rest were all 
Korean. The ship was commanded by nine. I transposed his age. He was not 96. <laughs> okay. Timey captain. <laughs> Can't give up. No wonder why it went down. Yeah. It's like, I still got God. it. Step aside, Wait. boys. <laughs> Let me in here, fellas. That's my old man voice. That was good. <laughs> That's what I picture. He's <laughs> got his cane. No, he was Step not. Step aside, ladies. <laughs> he was not 96. He was 69, everyone. I'm going oh. down with the ship. <laughs> the ship was commanded by 69-year-old Captain Lee Jun Esioke, who had been brought in as a replacement for the regular captain. Oh, so, of course, there's a fill in this always. day. Always. Now, Captain Lee had over 40 years of experience at sea, and he'd traveled the route before. He was hired on a one-year contract with a monthly salary of a, just a, a measly $2.7 million. Oh, is that it? Yes, but that's in their currency, so it's roughly $2,500 U.S. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say it like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, he was just... Big difference. Yep, yep. So he worked with the 33 crew members on the journey, of which 19 were irregular part-time workers. So what I'm getting at here is we've got a one-year contract for measly paid dude, captain. Then we've got 19 of the 33 crew members are irregular and part-time. So this they sounds, don't actually know what the fuck they're doing. This sounds shady AF. It is. It is. A hundred percent. Later investigations discovered problems concerning the state of the seawall at the at the time of departure, despite her maximum allowance of 987 tons of cargo. I'm sorry, I misspoke because I thought it was 1,400. It's 987 tons is what she was allowed, and she was carrying 2,147 tons. Oh, my gosh. All of which, Amber, had been improperly secured. Of course. It's not even secure. It's just floating around this, down there. This sounds like carnies on water. Like, we're running a... Yes. A it carnival is a carnival show yep. on the water. Yep. That is so true. The regular captain of Seawall was Captain Shin, had warned the company that owned it, the Seawall, Chunghee Jin, about the decrease in stability and attributed it to the removal of a side ramp that they had, had removed, later claiming that the company threatened to fire him if he continued his objections. So, like, the original captain of the ship was like, this is getting pretty shitty. Concerned here. Yes. And they're like, uh, be gone. Yep. Captain Shin's, the, he's the original captain. Warnings were also relayed through an official working for the Incheon Port Authority on April 9th, 2014. He officially reported it. This all took place. That, so that was April 9th, 2014. And we are just at April 15th, 2014. Wow. Okay, so just days earlier, the captain was like, this thing is not acting how it should we think it's because of the removal of a ramp. Like, it needs to be looked into. I just picture it just being so janky looking. It's yes. just, like, dying. It was already dilapidated when Chung Hee Jin's company, Marina, there, it. bought it and modified it. Yeah. So, he was, so that guy is like, yeah, if you keep having objections, we're going to fire you. So, he tried. He did. He tried. He did. Yep. And he was not the captain of the ship when this incident takes place. He had also requested a repair for the uh, multifunctioning 
steering gear on April 1st, 2014. But that modification or that like correction had not been done yet as of the 15th. So he knew he was trying to do his job and report the things that needed to go down. Um, There is a notable stability test report from January 24th, 2014 that noted that the seawall had become, quote, too heavy and less stable after modifications were made. Remember those modifications at the end of 2012, early 2013? Yeah. So they're like, this this stability test, it did not pass. And they were noting it was because of these modifications. But at the time, the modifications looked like they had passed inspection. It wasn't known at that time that those documents were forged. The other thing is that the company, Chanhejen Marina, they budgeted for the safety training of the crew, (laughs) which was their budget for it. Like, we're going to get our crew safety training. It was in U.S. dollars, $2. Oh, my God. So they used that to buy paper certificates saying that the crew had had the safety training. Oh my gosh, this place is shady. Right? Horrific. April 16th, 2014 at 7.30 a.m. Now remember, she left port April 15th at night. 9.30 was the only ship to leave port that night after because of the fog. What were the other ones? Like, this is unreasonable, but this one, this ship's like, we're still going. We're still going. Yes, that's oh exactly it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You can see now like what a recipe for horrible disaster this yep. was. Yep. Most definitely. So they switch posts. So it's 7.30 a.m. So the night shift is done. The day shift comes on. And the seawall is heading at a course of about 165 degrees at a speed of 20 knots. So that's about 23 miles an hour to give us some perspective over here in the Americas. (laughs) And um, the ship was actually operating two radar devices around 8.20 a.m. when the ship was about three miles from entering the channel that would end its trip. One of the mates, he their ranking his this dude's ranking that I'm about to tell you about was third mate and his name was Park Han Khan. He ordered the helmsman Chu John Kai to change the steering system from autopilot to manual steering. So when Seawall arrived at the channel at 8:27 a.m. at a course of around 137 degrees the wind speed was between four and seven meters. So we're looking at like the wind is like 13 to 23, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, miles an hour. Okay. Visibility is good. The thing is, though, is that this particular channel had strong underwater currents, which means they needed to operate with extreme caution when manually steering a ship through it. Okay, and we went from autopilot to manual steering on a crew that's really only part time and undertrained. Yeah, of this huge ship that is also unbalanced as it is and carrying way too much tons of cargo. Oh, this than is, it is Equipped to do. They're like, we just got paper certificates. Exactly. We don't know what we're we doing. We have no idea. At the time of the incident, conditions were calm and Seawall was following a route that was frequently used. Now, while the wider areas of the channel contain rock hazards and shallow waters, they were not in the immediate vicinity of the ship's usual path. The reason that I put that in there is because originally, like the prosecutors on the case and um, media outlets had actually reported that the guy who was steering, Park, 
third mate park there, that he was inexperienced based on his unfamiliarity with the channel. But another investigation reveals actually... No, this channel is passed through multiple times very frequently. And yes, it does have some shallow, some rock and some shallow parts, but that's not what the issue is. That's not what caused the incident that we're going to talk about. Okay. This this was passed through very frequently. He was on the right path. And so, yes, he was not as experienced, but like basically the investigators are saying, you're not going to pin this on the man steering the ship as being inexperienced because yeah. that's not what caused this. Yeah. And how horrible to put that all on him. One person. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Who had taken it from manual or from pilot like, to I'm manual. He's like, just a fill-in. Right. Right. And I was going on the right course. Right. Because he even, even being inexperienced and unfamiliar with the channel, he was still on the right course of the channel. He wasn't on those shallow parts and he wasn't on, it does have a strong undercurrent and it makes it more difficult to steer. But it wasn't because of of that, you know, of the shallow parts or, or the rocks that yeah. caused the accident. Now, as Seawall approached the fatal turn, breakfast was being served in the cafeteria. Data taken at 8.40 a.m. showed it's CCTV data taken at 8.40 a.m. showed students present and socializing on the deck. One surviving passenger, Cho and Xuan, recalled having gone up to the deck to smoke right before the incident happens. As we're leading up to this, right before it, Park and Cho, they were standing side by side near the ship's, the, ship, the ship's wheel. Now, Park is the one steering, and Cho is the first mate who, like, is the one that told him to take it out of manual, I mean, pilot into manual, okay? Um, so they're at the bridge by the ship's wheel. Captain Lee was absent from the bridge at the time. At 8.46 a.m., as seawall was traveling at approximately 21 miles an hour, at a course of around 136 degrees, Park ordered Cho to change the course from 135 to 140 degrees, which Cho consequently undertook. There are conflicting accounts of what happened next. According to Park's testimony, after she had used the radar to check that Seawall's course was changed and that the current course was set to 140 degrees, she ordered Cho to change the course of the ship further to 140 degrees. Now, this is all talking about how we are turning the ship. Mm -hmm. The order was given at 8.48 a.m. After realizing that the ship was heavily listing to starboard, which led the bow to turn to the right, she gave an order to turn the wheel to the port side. Immediately after giving the order, she she heard Cho exclaim, the wheel isn't working. Remember how the original captain on April 1st had put in an order to have the wheel, the multi-function wheel system looked at and, and fixed, and that fix was never made. In a flustered voice, after the ship started essentially tipping, okay, they call it listing, but so Cho's testimony did not notably differ from that of Park, but Park testified that the listing began with the order to turn to 140 degrees not 145. Because Seawall was turning towards the right, even as he was holding onto the wheel, he made two turns to the left, amounting to a five-degree turn. Because the ship did not stop its rightward turning, it eventually, it was eventually facing a 145-degree course. Cho testified that Park gave an order to turn in the opposite direction at this point, which he followed by turning the ship 
further to the left by 10 degrees. So the total amount of the turn became 15 degrees to the left, trying to off-center the fact that she's tilting to the right so heavily. So the court later comes to the conclusion that Cho's steering led the ship to attempt a 15-degree turn for 40 seconds, and the court concluded that Cho, who was flustered by the ship turning faster than expected because of all that extra cargo... When he, was, when he was following Park's order to turn to 140 degrees, he was attempting to turn it left when he took Park's order to mean to turn it in the opposite direction. So this led him to make a turn to the right instead, causing the front of the ship to rapidly turn to the right, which is the way that it is also tilting. Oh, Okay, yikes. so there's a miscommunication he thought he was supposed to turn it in the opposite direction. She meant the opposite direction of the way the ship was lifting, not in the opposite direction oh. of the way he was turning. Mm-hmm. So they determined the ship actually, the ship's like automatic identification system stopped collecting data from 848, which is exactly when she gave that order, to 849. So there's a whole like, and, and it listed the... Um, seconds so 848 37 to 849 13 so there's about 29 seconds of missing lost data respectively of what the ship was doing some reports said they thought maybe there was a power outage but really it's the failure of that steering column system that the captain was trying to have fixed to begin with so essentially what happens is we've got a combination of the fact that this ship is way way too heavy she is off balance completely, both right to left, both right to left, but also front to back. Okay. We're in a channel that we now have to make a, a turn, oh. and the channel has some real deep, strong undercurrents. Okay. We have an inexperienced crew, and the results end up. So they were trying to turn in the channel. They're, they're in the channel, but they in order to get to their port, they have to make this um this right-handed turn okay and she starts tipping yes oh the, gosh okay. the turn that they had to make just wasn't going to work between the undercurrent and the amount the the amount that they are the over cargo yes yeah. yes at exactly. first i was picturing them turning in the channel and like that austin powers when he's stuck in the like oh the yeah vehicles. yes <laughs> Right. Yep. Nope. They're in, they're already in the channel and they need to turn to get to their port. And they were, I mean, they were essentially so close to their destination. That's, that's like the worst part. Yes. Yep. And so what happens is the ship essentially turns so rapidly that it caused all the cargo. Remember I said that the cargo was not seal was not secured the way it should be. It caused the cargo to fall to one side of the ship. The impact caused the ship's gyroscope to record like angular velocities that were going on. And so essentially this ship is sink. It is, it's tilting itself. It's being, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, Amber, when you've got just this culmination of everything of the cargo going to one side, the same side that it's tipping. They're trying to steer against it, accidentally steer with it. Sounds horrible. Okay. So the sharp turn from 135 degrees to 150 degrees, it ends up being 150 degrees on accident. Yeah. She began to tilt towards the water. Her port side is tilting towards the water. 
and the overall effect was that the ship turned about 45 degrees to the right, then rotated an additional 22 degrees on the spot for a span of 20 seconds. Can you imagine being on this ship while it's doing this, by the way? During when that happened, the cargo all fell to one side of the ship and she lost the seawall, lost all of her restoring force and allowed water to flow into the ship through the side door of the cargo loading bay and the car entrance, which was located at the stern of the ship. So and this has all been confirmed through court testimony. And Cho testified that the tilting lasted for about two to three minutes after the first tilt, the initial tilt. Okay. And during this time, an off-duty helmsman, Yang Sioke, was sleeping in his cabin. He was awakened when he was thrown against the port side of his room at about 8.50. And that's when, at this point in time, the seawall is leaning completely 30 degrees to the port side. Oh, yeah. Like you said, can you imagine being on that ship? No, no. I've been on a cruise ship when the waters got rocky, and that was rough enough. That's scary enough. That's scary enough. Captain Lee, who was in his private cabin at the time of the incident, immediately rushed to the bridge. After a short period, all the ship's mates and the helmsmen arrived on there as well. Like, they know something is happening. Yeah. Um, Cho stopped the engines, although it's unknown whether it was on his own volition or following an order from Captain Lee. We don't know. But at 8.50, Cho ordered an evacuation of the engine room through a call to the assistant engineer. During this time... Park, who was steering the vessel, was crying. She was startled by the sudden incident. incident, And um, when the engines went off, the seawall became unable to change directions and began drifting sideways now. The engines are off. No one's steering it now. But those undercurrents. Water has gotten in. Yep. Mm -hmm. And now she begins drifting sideways. And a passenger later testified that the lights went out after... The ferry started tilting. Calls for rescue came. As she began sinking, the ferry's intercom system started ordering passengers to stay put, alleging that moving was dangerous. The announcements were made by a command, a, a communication officer, Kang Hae Siong, who had not consulted the manual before the broadcast. The announcements began broadcasting by they were broadcasting by at least 8.52 a.m. and continued even after water began flooding passenger compartments. Oh, my gosh, no. So these high school, this this entire ship basically is high school students. High school students are used to learning to follow directions. Yeah, they were, prob- they were doing what they were told to do. I don't like where this is going. Exactly. These announcements... <sighs> Repeated. You've been on a cruise ship before. If you've ever been on one, they do have announcements that come over the intercom and you are supposed to listen to them. Yeah, they stress that. Yep. And so these announcements are saying, stay put. It's unsafe if you exit your cabin. Oh my gosh. Even after water began coming in. So other crew members actually like collaborated with this order, instructing passengers to just stay put. Captain Lee also instructed passengers to stay put and did not change the order. Even this part's going to really chap your Oh, I am already feeling chappy. He knows that this broadcast is being broadcast on the ship. And he is still standing behind the order and not changing the broadcast. Even as he was leaving the (gasps) ship. Stop. The captain 
Are you kidding me? Left the ship full of 335 high school students on a field trip, saving his own ass and keeping the broadcast up. No. Mm -hmm. The first emergency call was made by Cho Dungha, a Danwon High School student aboard the ferry at 8.52 a.m., He called the National Emergency Service number and reported that the seawall had began to capsize. He was connected to a Coast Guard, uh, the Mokpo Coast Guard at 8.54 a.m., and he was asked to give latitude and longitude of the ship's location. Uh, No idea. Please, if I'm ever in that position, I have no idea how to pronounce that, how to give that information. So. This is so sad. I can't even. At three minutes later, the Mokpo Coast Guard Station ordered patrol vessel number 123 to be dispatched to the scene. The vessel was launched at 8.58 a.m. Following the Coast Guard search and rescue manual, the boat was to be in charge of surveying the area and swiftly rescuing passengers. Cho did not survive the capsizing and was later found dead. At 8.55 a.m., the seawall's crew... The crew, because remember, a passenger made the first yeah. call. 8.55, the crew made their first d- distress call, and they were asked to notify the KCG, which was the ferry company, as the ferry was rolling in and in danger. At 8.56 a.m., where the discre- distress call originally came to, to uh, Jiju VTS, they called the Jiju Coast Guard, so three minutes later, the G- the Jiju Coast Guard calls the Mokpo Coast Guard, and they were like, yeah, no, we already got this distress call from a passenger. We're on our way. So they're like, cool, you've got this. At 9.01 a.m., a crew member called the Inchon branch of the owner, the marina, and reported the situation. So of Chang Jen Marina. And was like, hey, got to let you know, because the head office is located in Jiju. And then he called Captain Lee at 9.03 for a report on the situation. So they're calling the captain like, hey, we heard that your your crew's in distress here. All of this is happening like very lackadaisical in between each other, right? So the Inchon branch talked to the first mate in five telephone calls over the next 35 minutes. And each time, it's like there's, they're not really reporting the seriousness of the fact that the ship is sinking. Yeah, I get the impression it's just like a no big deal. Like Yes, yes. All in all, everyone, the seawall took two and a half hours to sink. By around 11.18 a.m., the stern was completely submerged with a section of the hull um, uh, that was about seven feet high and... Um, about 98 feet long showing above the water. That's all that was left to show above the water. At noon on April 16th, only about 20 inches inches of the bow was above the water. And at 103, the ship was completely submerged. During the capsizing, members of the crew drank beer, communicated by telephone with staff on at least seven different occasions, As passengers stayed in their cabin, as instructed, Captain Lee and his crew abandoned the ship. Lee, Cho, and the first and second mates were the first people to be rescued. Captain Lee was rescued around 9.46 a.m. As the seawall capsized, some passengers followed the announcement to stay put, even as water came into their cabins. 
Most of the student passengers obeyed the announcements. Some passengers who disobeyed the announcements climbed to the top of the ship or jumped into the water and were rescued. Oh my gosh, this is so preventable. It's so titanic. It is, and especially in that what's really going to get you is that all of the media is reporting that this capsizing is happening and all of the local like local law enforcement areas are all reassuring the parents that their children are being rescued. Oh my gosh. Everyone is looking so no, at the but- chaos that's happening and assuming that the chaos is rescuing. Right. Like, no, oh, it's, everybody's going to be okay. We had this happen. But- Correct. Oh. Videos recording passengers during the capsizing have been recovered. Some recorded the announcements telling passengers to stay put and to put on life jackets, while some showed passengers joking around, putting on the life jackets, and sending farewells. Passengers made calls, sent text messages, and sent, um, like, talk mobile messages during the capsizing. The last message was sent at 10.17 a.m., and that text message and social media posts allegedly made by survivors still trapped after the capsizing circulated on the media. An investigation by the Cyber Terror Response Center found that none of the trapped passengers used their phones between 12 p.m. on April 16th and 10 a.m. on April 17th. So they believe that all the reported reported survivors' messages um, made within that time frame were falsified. Oh, my gosh. Because we're about to get into a bit of a cover-up situation here. What the heck? These people are so shady. Yes. And so they're saying that the passengers were just fine in between... You know, after 12 p.m., they are just fine. Nothing nothing bad is going on. That is all falsified. After There is no, nothing of the victims after 12 p.m. that day. During the disaster and the immediate aftermath, the South Korean government's announcements, as well as those from South Korea media, were inconsistent and inaccurate. On the first day, the, the MOCO post... The Moco Coast Guard dispatched vessel number 123 in response, as I said earlier, right? After they received the news of the capsizing. Patrol vessel number 123 arrived at the scene at 9.30 a.m. as the first ship to reach the site after the incident. So, essentially, this patrol vessel number 123 arrives on scene at 9.30 a.m. And they can see that this ship is capsizing. But they failed to call other ships in for help. To rescue people. What is wrong with this? I don't know. Community. I don't know. It was even like initially reported as just being like not a state of emergency. Like it, I don't know if it's because of how slow it was uh, technically capsizing. Yeah. I'm not sure. But rescue operations were not made for people in the ship. It was just for, they rescued the people that were essentially like out on the deck. Okay. So no, so obviously, yeah, they took the captain and like they yes. just took- and captain and crew. Yep. How did, how were all of these kids just disregarded? So at 1101 AM, Mahana Broadcasting Corporation began reporting that all students had been rescued. Oh my gosh. This news was re-reported by other news organizations and, in con- and continued until 1126 AM. Yeah. So all of these parents think that they, that their children are just fine. This is awful. 
Initial reports stated that rescuers retrieved 368 people from cold waters as the passengers, mostly students, had jumped overboard when the vessel started sinking. The South Korean government later corrected this statement, saying 295 passengers remained missing. Wow. 22 of the 29 crew survived, including 15 responsible for the navigation. Then, uh, the early morning edition of another newspaper reported that 174 people had been rescued, four had died, and that 284 were missing. So can you imagine having a loved one on this and you're trying to get the right information? Oh my gosh, no. It's like they're safe. Wait, there's hundreds missing. Yep, yep. So you're telling me that the crew, like most of the crew survived and... 22 of the 29 crew members survived, and 15 of those were responsible for the navigation of the ship. Mm -hmm. I cannot right now. Over the course of the following month, the death toll rose into the hundreds, and it stood eventually at 294 as of July 22nd, 2014, with 10 missing. I cannot, like, I can't accept this. I do not accept this. Isn't it horrific? And it was so preventable. So preventable. Everybody just like let it happen. Everyone could have been rescued. Literally. Yeah. And then they told, like they pretty much murdered people. They did. They told, they told them. them to stay put. Yes. And they did. Oh my gosh. This, right. I do not accept. It's awful. I'm giving this back to you. I don't accept it. <laughs> I, I would love to take it back, but, but I've got happened. nowhere to put it. And unfortunately, it, oh my gosh, this is awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrible. So let me give you some of the like theories that are out there. Okay. So there's some there is a, a professor of aviation that thinks that perhaps there was an explosion that caused the steering steering column to malfunction. Okay, and he actually um, said that really an explosion could have been like a more probable secondary cause. Like the steering column already had issues. Right at the beginning of the investigation, the KCG actually thought that the cause was a collision with a relief, a relief, a reef, believing that it likely was navigated like that because the area was foggy. But Captain Lee denied this and and denied that this was the cause of the accident. Like, no, we did not run into an iceberg. We didn't run into a reef. I love how this captain's like, I'm just a fill-in and I get paid mm-hmm. shitty wages, so I'm out. Several media outlets uh, reported that there was a collision with a submarine in a channel. The part where I want this captain to fuck off is where he could have, like, taken the command back before he safely exits. Thank you. He could have. And I'm glad that you bring him up because my next notes here is that on April 19th, Captain Lee John Sioke was arrested on suspicion of negligence of duty. Yay. Violating. He had a lot of violations of maritime law and other infringements. Um, he had abandoned seawall with passengers still aboard the ferry while the South Korea law explicitly requires captains to remain on the ship during disaster. Two other crew members, a helmsman and a third mate, were also arrested on that day of suspicion of negligence and manslaughter. On April 26th, 12 further arrests had been made with the whole crew responsible for navigation in detention. On May 15th, Captain uh, Lee, first mate, King Won Sik, Second mate Kim Young-ho and chief engineer Park Ji-ho were indicted on charges of homicide through gross negligence, which actually carry a potential of the death penalty. Wow. This, I mean, this was just so awful. I'm glad that they made some arrests here because this all, I mean, they had time. 
They did. They had time. They absolutely they, well, did. they had time to not do this to the, to the ship, but exactly. they also had time to save everyone and not literally command Just them to their deaths. save their own. A- That's a good way to put it. Commanded them to their yes. own deaths. Students, when you know that they knew that 335 of their passengers were, or 34, whatever that number was at the beginning of my notes, I, it was a lot. It was a heartbreaking amount. Well, any more a vulnerable population that's going to do what they're told to they, do. Right. They know that they are on their ship. Okay. Like they are aware of that. So I, I just can't imagine it never crossing your mind to change that command, especially when you're leaving the ship. Yeah. That's where you're uh, a piece you of shit. Are you kidding me? Like you had a chance as you were getting saved to change that and possibly save Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people. Yep, of students, of children. You were a piece of shit. Yep, yep. On um, March twenty second, two thousand and seventeen, there was a salvage operation that began to raise the wreckage of seawall and get her out of the channel. Um, the ship was lying on its port side, nearly forty meters below the surface. Uh, diesel and oil were drained from the ship, and all the cabins were sealed. And a huge fence was erected um, on the seabed to prevent any wreckage from like drifting away. A crane lifted the bow of the ship so that it could all, you know, it could lift all the beams, everything out. Um, So they took care of cleaning up the wreckage. At the time of the rising, nine passengers were still unaccounted for. Um, In order of retrieval, the remains of teacher Go Chung Sioke were found in the sinking site after the ship's removal, followed by the remains of Danwon High School students Hio Da Young, Cho and Hawa and passenger Lee Young Sook inside the ship. For most victims at this point, only partial remains were retrieved and DNA testing was used to identify the remaining passengers. This is so awful. It is, but it took that many years for them to get to the wreckage to be able uh. to I you know, identify and give those victims back to their families. Yeah. So I won't get into all the details, but there has been a strong political reaction to this, especially with the way um, the media misrepresented the whole situation. Parents, That's like one of the worst parts is like, oh, the kids are safe. Oh, wait a second. They right. all died. Yes. So I want to tell you about one of the survivors' parents that spoke out later after this in They said, at the beginning, I didn't worry at all about it. The media reported that all the passengers had been saved. So I drove directly to Jindo Island and was fully convinced that my daughter was out of danger. But as I arrived there, I couldn't find her anywhere. And this is Han Jae Chang, father of of one of the victims. Then after hours of waiting on Jindo Island, the parents became aware that their children sank with the ferry into the cold, deep sea. And that the rescue of the passengers turned out to be a cruel hoax. Only the passengers who brought themselves to the relative safe upper deck could be saved by the boats and helicopters. The first to be rescued by the Coast Guard, as I said, was captain and crew. So as parents feared for their children, they hoped for the so-called, like, golden time, which is like a hope that there's a chance of survival due to air pockets in the sunken ship, which is then also being reported by the media that that's what they were doing. They hoped that the large-scale rescue effort with the hundreds of divers, countless boats, and helicopters all meant that, which was being reported, by the way, by the media, that that's what's happening. So it means that their 
children are being saved. So even though the the ship has sunk, they are believing that there are air pockets and that they've got they divers. Chance. Yes. Oh gosh, yep. The emotional. And it, it turns out none of that was happening. Oh my gosh, this is awful. Those poor parents. Yep. And um, so Han Jae Chang goes on to say that night heaven was well lit by the flares and from the coast it looked as if rescue as if rescuing people were underway. So they never actually did any of no, this. But it was all a lie. They did nothing. No action. Nothing. The news information was propaganda. We asked the rest. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, part that it was part of the cover up. Yes. Oh, my God. Yep. We asked the rescue people, do you have equipment to bring the children from the water and make sure that they get oxygen? But they, they said no. What did it mean? It meant that they are only prepared to eventually rescue their corpses, not be a rescue mission to keep them alive. I have no words for yes. this. And so with the death of their children, the lives of their parents had been completely changed since the horrific event. For four months, they had to fight to discover the truth about the cause of the accident and how how it could be that the rescue effort completely failed all of those children. We have waited for the government to give us answers, but then we had to realize that the government did nothing and it will do nothing if we carry on simply waiting for the truth. So in their desperation, they initiated a petition. They wanted to collect 10 million signatures to force the president at the time, Park uh, Guanhe, her government and the parliament to enact a special law, which would enable an independent and transparent investigation for a complete clarification on the incident. Alongside many people in South Korea who supported this petition, there are also people who bring the cruel accusation that the parents wanted to make money off their dead children using this special law, which is ridiculous. But in the end, there were changes that were made um, to prevent something like this from happening. But isn't that just a horrible, horrible, horrific incident and so preventable? Like, literally from day one, preventable, should have never happened. And even after they were so negligent with the ship, like, there was still so much chance for these people to be saved, these kids. Yep. Like, it's all just awful. It sure is. It It reflects, I'm sorry, but it reflects a lot of really crappy people. Yep. Like a whole collaborative. (laughs) Yes, a whole team. Like, they actively collaborated to be horrible people. Yes, exactly. Okay, are you ready for a brain bath? Thank you to our Patreon, who I don't have permission to use her name, for uh, bringing this case to our attention. And it is a little bit different than what we usually cover, but it's okay to do some different things now and again. So, for your brain bath today, this comes from one of our Patreons that sent it on. It's an article, actually, from theperspective.com. And I liked it because it's always the headlines that pull us into these sorts of things. Oh, yeah. But this whole article is dedicated to real headlines that are stranger than fiction. This, I'm already totally interested in this. Yes, The headlines are are the best part of of the articles. They are. And so I'm just, I'm not going to give you more information about the article. I'm just going to read you the headlines. Okay. Awesome. Opera singer can't stop farting after surgery and loses her job. (laughs) Okay. That's unfortunate, really. Singing opera is not easy. not fair. No. Oh, my gosh. Florida man kidnaps scientists to make his dog immortal. I respect this. I, I want I my want dog more. to be immortal. I need, I need to know what happened. Yes, yes. Um, 
he just he just wanted his dog to live forever. Yeah, I, I d- I'm fine with that. Hiker lost on mountain for 24 hours did not answer rescuer calls because he did not recognize the number. This is something I would do. You are stranded on a fucking mountain, Amber, and you're like, no spam calls for me right now. <laughs> Keeps hanging it up. Uh-huh. Like, stop I'm, bothering me. I'm trying to get rescued. I can't. Right. I can't tie my line up. What if the rescuers need me? Oh my gosh, I would. Did do he this. think it was going to come from nine one one? Maybe. I it, it literally shows up as 911. Right. Oh my gosh. Yep. I, yep. I don't fault him for this. Uh, okay. This is funny. <laughs> I, I'm screenshotting this because we have to post it. Texas man is allegedly so drunk, cops have to hold his head up for mugshot. And the cops are holding his oh head God. up for the mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> It's everything you think it would be, you I guys. I need this as my screen, it's, like my wallpaper. This is, oh my God, this photo is amazing. His eyes are like bugging yes, out of his are. head. Like, Why are his you face my is like up? smashed against the wall. This Let me, best. give me one more view, okay, please. Okay, hold on. Oh, oh I'm posting it. That is the That's best. so good. Um, hungry photographer deletes all photos and leaves after being denied food at wedding. <laughs> yep. You don't, don't see a problem with that. You didn't feed your wedding photographer? I My God, they work the whole night, people. It, well, actually, they can't all eat day. at the wedding. Like, oh, they I would have the d- photos before. I hate to admit how petty I am, but I would have done the same thing. Absolutely. Like, okay, I'm going to be here all day and what you're not going to feed me. Right. Delete. Absolutely. Good day. You get Sorry. nothing. Mm-hmm. China man may be using sea to hide its submarines. <laughs> Hold on. That's just Did I great. say China man? Yes. Hold on. I got to say it again. Okay. China may be using sea to hide its submarines. <laughs> oh, really? Do you think? I don't believe you for a second. I, where else would you hide your submarines, sir? That is amazing. Uh, dr- ooh, this could be us next weekend. Drunk woman steals a ferry and yells, I'm Jack Sparrow. I mean, we'll be in kayaks, but this could, oh my I God. I can see that happening though. That's going to be sure. our cue that we need to be cut off when I'm like, Amber, I'm Jack Sparrow in a kayak. Yes. Um, Man with bizarre name arrested. Oh, holy shit. Bee zow doo doo zippity bee bop bop bop. That is his name. Oh my God. I've seen him before. I remember his name. <laughs> I dated him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know him. Oh. oh, this man arrested in the middle of getting a haircut. Oh my God. No. Oh my. You guys, half of his is hair so... is the size of the Eiffel Tower and the other half is shaved down to his scalp. I love that they wouldn't let him finish. No. They're like, no, you're no. coming. We've had a warrant now. out. Yeah, we are taking ready. you now. Mm-hmm. A quote from a man stabbed. What are you going to do? Stab me? Oh. oh wow. Yep. I guess they Somebody yep. did. Yes, he did. Oh, it looks so sad. Florida man on drugs kills imaginary friend and turns himself in. Oh, he does look so sad. Oh, He's like crying. He oh, is. he must he be mentally ill. Definitely. He killed his imaginary friend. He's sad about that. He has a side ponytail, too. He does I appreciate rock that it. pretty well. Oh. Um, Chicago teen s- sleeps with all five of his bullies, moms, to assert dominance. Holy, Holy savage. Holy shit. 
kid doesn't play. Look at the one mom sticking her tongue out. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, I slept with that teenager. Oh, my God. Savage kid. Seriously, though. Like, this kid is being bullied, and he's like, yeah, well, I fucked your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Literally every single one. And he's being real. Wow. Oh, that is so... I, He's kind so of creepy. my hero, other than the CSC. The, the moms are creepy. Yeah, like, but he, shame on them. Yeah. But like, that's get, a way to get wow. back. He took your mama to a whole different yes, level. <laughs> uh, man says his threat to blow up a bathroom had nothing to do with a bomb. Oh, God, I believe him. Yes. Oh, I've said this. Oh, <laughs> I do believe him. Look, he was like, oh, he's like, what? I was trying to take a dub. Right. (laughs) I had Mexican. Oh, my God. Shit. The enchiladas, they flew through me. What am I supposed to do? I'm going to end on that one. Because I just feel like. Where do you go from there anyway? Right. Right. Wow. Those were were amazing. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please send case suggestions to crimecurious at yahoo.com with case suggestion in the subject line or your own brain bath with brain bath in yes. the uh, subject line as well. And uh, if you're interested, find us on subscribing to our membership, crimecuriouspatreon.com for extra content each month, guys. It's and good stuff. Keeps us on the air. For it sure. does. Yeah, like a whole episode of brain baths. Juicy Those minis. Juicy minis. Yep, yep. B- bonus episodes, all kinds of stuff. Oh, so. yeah. Feel free to join anytime. And then when you join our Patreon at CrimeCuriousPatreon.com, then you can join our private Facebook group, Crime Curious Patreon only. There's some good stuff going on in there right now. There is. So, all right. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye.